I grew up in a family of nine right in the middle. Big families don't always get along. Ours gets along pretty well. And, and I think right where I'm at, I've always kind of been the balancer, you know, and, and just somebody in the middle that, you know, you got to get along with everybody and you got to, again, it's like somebody's upset. What are you upset about? You know, let's figure it out. So I think it's important that I have, uh, I guess, experienced so many things throughout my life. And then, of course, throughout the 32 years I've been in the military that I find I'm surprised by very little. We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. It's finally here. Welcome to the BCP podcast and my conversation with the great Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, an American hero, a patriot, and a fighter who's taken on the deep state and the very corrupt Obama machine. A man who has paid the price for that, but will not be thwarted. Now, it would be an understatement to say that he is one of my heroes. And guess what? I'm not alone. He is a hero to President Trump who considered him a possible VP pick way back in 2016 and is rumored to be on his short list again for 2024. Now, that introduction I played was from National Geographic's American War General special that they posted just after 9-11 back in 2014 on their YouTube page. But just in case you do not know who Lieutenant General Michael Flynn is, let's give you a brief rundown. He served more than 33 years in the U.S. Army, and his military career culminated as a director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, and as the nation's highest serving military intelligence officer. Well, my next guest has been at the forefront of our nation's intelligence apparatus for decades, most recently providing direct intelligence to President Obama. He is aware of most everything the president received from 2011 to 2014, including intelligence on terrorism in the Middle East and the rise of ISIS. He has even sat down to speak with terrorists, and he's seen a lot of dead ones, too. Retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn served as director of the Defense Intelligence Agency under President Obama from 2012 to 2014. Before that, he served as director of intelligence at United States Central Command, or CENTCOM, which oversees the Middle East. After retiring from the Army in 2014 and as a private citizen, General Flynn went on to serve in a variety of businesses. He's had nonprofit roles, educational, and he is a big supporter of veterans organizations throughout the country and he continues to champion them today. His public service included selection and service as a foreign policy advisor to many of the Republican U.S. presidential candidates during the 2016 presidential race and during the Republican Party primaries. And he was subsequently appointed and served, albeit briefly, as a national security advisor to President Trump, the 45th President of the United States. Flynn is a force to be reckoned with. He is an opponent of Barack Hussein Obama, who tried twice to stop Flynn 
from making an impact as part of the Trump administration. The first time he was unsuccessful. The second time, the Obama machine needed to use the entire deep state apparatus to sideline General Flynn. Flynn was such a threat to Obama that in 2017, President Obama warned then-President-elect Donald Trump against hiring Mike Flynn as his national security advisor. It was one of the first things that Obama mentioned to then-President-elect Trump shortly after he was declared the winner. In fact, the warning came less than 48 hours after the November election when the two sat down for a 90-minute conversation in the Oval Office. At least three former Obama administration officials, we have now confirmed that President Trump, during that 90-minute Oval Office meeting that took place with President Obama here at the White House, less than 48 hours after President Trump won, when he was then President-elect Trump, was warned by President Obama against hiring Mike Flynn. This is a, a piece of information that has not been reported before. Well, I just had uh, the opportunity to have an excellent conversation with President-elect Trump. On the surface, it seemed like a cordial meeting between an outgoing president and his successor in the Oval Office, just two days after a bitter election. The meeting lasted for almost an hour and a half, and it could have, as far as I'm concerned, it could have gone on for a lot longer. We but behind closed doors, former Obama administration officials tell CNN President Obama offered then-President-elect Trump a clear warning. Don't hire retired General Michael Flynn as national security advisor. It's notable that the Obama administration, the president ultimately, had fired Flynn. He was then serving uh, at, the, at the DIA at the time. But that this information was provided to Donald Trump in that closed forum. One Obama official said Mr. Obama told Mr. Trump there were more qualified people for the position. Why was there such animus against Flynn from Obama? It's because General Flynn blew the cover off of Obama's lies and the secret plan to empower and grow ISIS. This led to his dismissal as DIA and the convoluted lies that led to Flynn not being able to fully realize his position as Trump's national security advisor. Great to see you, General. Thank Thanks. you for being Thanks here. Thanks for having me. See, yeah. you were there. You know what President Obama saw every day from 2011 to 2014. You tell us what was said about ISIS. Yeah, so let me just start by saying that intelligence doesn't start and stop at central command. There are 16 intelligence agencies, there's five large ones, and there's two that provide what we call all-source intelligence assessments. Those are the most important ones that go into the White House. And I will tell you that the accuracy and the, and the warnings that have been provided on the rise of radical Islamists over the last few years have been very, very clear. So what the president has actually received from from the, from, the, from the national intelligence system is pretty good intelligence, and I would say it's very accurate. So what he's, what he's done with that intelligence, you know, from what we can tell right now is, is, you know, he's taken on this really lousy policy. But before we get to the policy, because I want to stick to what they know, because even today the White House was not refuting assertions that they had put out earlier that President Obama was surprised. He was surprised at the strength of ISIS. You were in a position to know. Is that true? Was he surprised when ISIS took off? Did yeah, you he have could, reason to be? There's, there was so much activity and so much, I think, accurate reporting coming out of all, all parts of our intelligence system that were going into the, the U.S. intelligence system and, and into the White House. So to say that I'm surprised at the rise of this threat 
is is really uh, it, it's a, it's a gross understatement as to what reality is. What about this manipulation, this reported manipulation of the data that the intel analysts were being told? we don't like that message, fix it to, to comport more with the narrative coming out of the White House. Yeah, I it's, think not, it's not that the Iraqi soldiers abandoned, it's that they redeployed. Yeah, I think that, it, uh, that this issue of not meeting a narrative out of the White House, which meant don't talk about radical Islam, don't talk about this as being a form of, 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 uh, of a radicalization of the Islamic religion, which in fact it is. It is a cancer inside of the Islamic religion. And, and the White House and the president, frankly, has not wanted to say that. General Flynn is a national best-selling author. He holds three master's degrees, is a recipient of numerous military, intelligence, and law enforcement awards. He is married with two sons and has several grandchildren. And now, my conversation with Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. It is my great honor to have here with us Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. And let me tell you, I had a dilemma this morning when it came to wardrobe. I didn't know if I should wear this. That's a great shirt. Or uh, one that I got several years ago, uh, this one. Oh, I love that one. That's a great one. So it is uh, my pleasure to have you here, General. Um, and I, as my audience knows, I was tickled pink and you put me on cloud nine when uh, I met you backstage and you saw me and you gave me a hug and you said, James, and you knew who I was. Can you, uh, you're, you're, you're my hero. So they say never meet your heroes because you'll be disappointed. But the exact opposite happened uh, well, when I met you. So I appreciate uh, well, thank, it. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that, James. And, and uh, you know, and I when we did meet and we met, I think, a couple of times now. But when we did meet, you know, you have such a inspiring message for uh, an audience that needs to hear it. Right. I mean, all we have we have such new um, ways to communicate to so many people these days because the mainstream media it's just, you know, they've they've sort of lost their shine and and they're a thing of the past. And now what we have is we have all these great, great independent voices out there, yours being among the very best. And and it's so necessary in order for us to to honestly to get the truth out, to uh, to make people uh, feel like they're not alone out there. Because I do. I you know, I was I was in a in fact, I was in Kentucky and uh, I was up in um, actually in Fort Worth, Texas this past week for a couple of different days. And one of the things that keeps coming up, James, all the time is that people always feel like, you know, are we going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? They're very uncertain. And they, and they always ask me, what can I do? What, you know, what can we do? And the first thing that I tell them is, look, you're not alone. There's a lot of us out there that feel the exact same way. And so, you know, then we get into the, the, the conversations about, you know, what people can actually do for themselves, for their families, for their communities. So anyway, I just I'm, I'm always uh, I appreciate you appreciate what you stand for. Um, you know, you're a huge patriot and we need more patriots like you on the airwaves. I, I appreciate that. And um, I'm uh, you may not be able to see it, but I'm blushing inside. <laughs> Funny. Uh, I want to talk to you about you. You segued perfectly into something that that I wanted to ask you about um, America. Wh where is America today? Uh, I know a lot of people are are, are pessimistic. Uh, I, I've I've traveled throughout the United States over the last several years, 
And you're right, we can feel like we're on an island alone. Our, our voices are getting cut off on social media. We are bombarded with one side narrative on the news. And, and, and I think that's a part of a psychological uh, warfare operation against us to make us feel isolated. But what, what can we as Americans do in this environment to not just not feel alone, but to actually help our country? Yeah, I think people need to first, they need to reflect on who they are and they need to reflect on what it is that makes, that drives them. What what motivates an individual to get out of bed every morning? What motivates an individual to go to work, to, you know, to keep doing the kinds of things that whatever it is that they're doing, whatever, whoever in your audience, what they're doing out there on a daily basis, what drives them, what motivates you as a person, as an individual? That's number one, because if you don't have that internal drive, if you don't have that internal mechanism that, you know, that gets you going and gets you fired up, then no matter what is out there, you may never find it right now. It doesn't mean that people don't have good days and bad days. I do. We all do. Right. I have a bad day. I'm having a bad day today uh, on some respects. But but I, I know what drives me and what has always driven me are two things. And that's really my faith and my family, particularly my family. And, you know, and I think that if I if I have anything that I feel like, you know, that's an incumbent on me to leave uh, behind is a is a better place. Right. I want to leave behind a better place. So that's number one. Clearly identifying who you are. What are the things that you as an individual can control? And then you have to start to reflect on all these other things around in the environment that we live in, because there's a lot of things, James, as you know, there's a lot of things we can't control. I can't control what what you know, I'm, I'm talking to you from Florida. I can't control what somebody in Washington, D.C. is going to do. I can't control what the what the governor of a particular state is going to do or, or what the sheriff of a particular county is going to do somewhere else. And when I look at something, I go, God, why aren't those people doing something? Why aren't they doing more for a guy like me who does have a national and an international platform? I do try to influence people to do things. But most Americans don't have that. So most Americans do have a platform within their community. And I use this phrase, local action has a national impact. You know, my family and I, we, we, we really got the phrase from the American people about fight like a Flint. I mean, you, know, you have to get involved in your communities like you've never been involved in your communities. I never thought my wife and I would go and volunteer to be uh, um, poll watchers and poll workers, but we did because it's time that I can commit and it's training that I can go to, you know, I mean, I don't I don't get personally involved in going out and registering voters, but I know people in my community and people where I and a lot of people that I've talked to, they're involved in some of these various a lot of its volunteer campaigns to go out and get people to register to vote, go out and canvas to make sure that if if some group of registered voters say that they live at a particular house, they actually live at the house. It's not, you know, 200 dead dead names, right, that are in some you know, 1000 square foot apartment. I mean, we, we have that kind of stuff. So those are those are just a couple of little things that people can do within their local environment. Churches. You know, I think that I think that the churches are doing a real disservice for their congregations. If you're if you find a a pastor, a minister, a priest, and they're not talking about the political issues of our time, you know, the the scourge of narcotics, the the you know, the the, the right to life issues, the border invasion, the, the fact that we're sending billions of, of our taxpayer dollars overseas and not 
focusing here. If, if pastors and ministers and priests and the clergy aren't standing at the pulpit and talking like that, then you're in the wrong place. You're, you're hearing from somebody who worries more about their status of a 501c3 and the, and the business side of running their church than they are about really preaching the, you know, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I mean, and, I, and I'm the worst one to be talking about that. I'm just telling you that people need to stop listening to those that are telling us don't get involved in politics. When they tell you to not get involved in politics, that is the absolute wrong uh, uh, that's the wrong piece of direction. That's the wrong guidance. It's the wrong counsel. You need to move away and go find something new because every single one of us, and you know this, James, I mean, in the, in the conversations that we have had, the brief conversations that we have had, this business about our country, we are at such risk. So, you know, those are a couple of little things. You know, it's faith, it's the family environment, it's the church community. Maybe it's at the county level people can get involved in. Maybe they can go to a school board hearing. I don't care if you don't have any kids. You know, if you believe that children shouldn't be allowed to decide which body part to cut off without talking to their parents, then we shouldn't be talking about that in school. If you don't, if you think that books that are teaching pornography about, you know, how, how, you know, John Doe is supposed to be sleeping with John Doe and how the kind of how he's supposed supposed to perform sex acts on, you know, on John Doe as an eight year old in elementary school. If you don't think that that's right, then go to the school boards and, and complain about it. I mean, we've seen plenty of the examples online about moms and dads and 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 people in communities going to these school boards and and saying, look, we got to we got to do something better here with our children. This is crazy what we're what we're forcing our children to do. Yet we have people in our country that are trying to continue to force this type of 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 behavior and changing the culture of our country. I mean, everything that I've said right now is just basic common sense. It's like people go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I try to do that. Well, you got to try harder is my point. So. You know, and I, because one of the things I know you want to talk a little bit about, and it's, you know, it has to do with leadership. You know, to me, leadership is about the things that you can control and take control of those. Don't worry about the things you cannot control. In, in many cases, they're in the hands of others or they're in, they're in God's hands. And you just got to hope for the best, you know, like, you know, is the, is the uh, Senate and the House of Representatives going to vote for a bill in Ukraine? I can bitch about it all day long, right? I can, com I can complain about it all day long. But right now, I mean, maybe I can make a phone call because of who I am and I can inf influence somebody, but majority of Americans can't. So what you can do is you can focus on the things that you can control. And you can control your own behavior. You can control some of the outcomes in your own community. You can control where you place your dollars, you know, who you give money to. You can control who you support. Do you support a pastor? Do you support a, a state representative? Do you support a sheriff? I mean, because everything about our lives is political. When somebody says to me, I don't do that political stuff, I'm, I, you know, politics is for the birds. I'm like, when was the last time you bought a gallon of gas or you went to the store and bought some milk and bread or bought a box of cereal? I mean, all that stuff is double or triple the price right now because we have a political environment that is choking the lifeblood out of every single American. And we also see on the bigger level, we also see this really incredible double standard in our justice system where the guy who's the leading candidate 
frankly, for all parties to include the two major parties, the Democrat and the Republican. He's leading he's leading all the polls and they're trying to put this man in jail. They're trying to they're trying to destroy his personal life, his family life, his business life. And they're trying to put him in jail because there's a there's two standards of justice. There's one for, you know, there's one for guys like me. And I went through it. And there's one for guys like you. And I don't know if you've ever been persecuted like like I've been. And then there's one for them. If you're a liberal, you know, quote unquote Democrat, if you're a part of the Democratic Socialist left, you don't get taken to you don't you don't get held held to account. And frankly, honestly, I mean, and to your audience, your great audience, which I know you have a great audience, a very loyal audience. You know, I, I wouldn't as much as I want these people held accountable. I wouldn't hold my breath. I don't think any of them are going to be held accountable. I really believe that because because we we don't have you know, one. It's, they're not going. It's not going to happen while while this administration is in power. If we're able to get them out of power, I'm not certain we're going to have the time to go and do the same thing to them. We have to like like old Trump says. You know, it's not about getting back at them. It's about being successful for this country, right? We have to show this country how to be successful again, and we have to raise the spirits. I mean, if I take over a military unit, and I've done this, if I take over a military unit and it's a demoralized unit because the last leader was ineffective, was abusing uh, his people, wasn't keeping him in the, you know, it was, was keeping him in the dark, wasn't, wasn't giving them, you know, up, up to speed stuff on what they were doing, totally indisciplined unit. You know, I get told you're going to you're going to go walk in here and, and you know, you need to fix it. And that's all. It's a, that's the guidance that you get as a particularly in my in this specific example, as a military officer. I was I wasn't, you know, a general then I was a major for this particular example. And I went in there and I sat everybody down and I told them, look, we're not going to focus on the past. We're going to focus on the future. We're going to focus on the things that we can do for ourselves. We're going to tighten things up around here. We're going to have a standard. This is the standard. We're not going to go below the standard. If you want to go above it, that's great. But this is the standard that we're going to meet. And everybody then understands what it is, is the expectation that they're going to have in that particular unit. And I think here in this country, this country is looking for a leader. And I think Trump is the is the guy for the next four years, right? Because this is only breathing space that he can give us because we have so many problems that are going to be it's going to take much more than four years to fix. But what we have to do is we have to tell the American people, look, here's the standard that we want. We want lower crime. We want lower taxes. We want less government intrusion. We want our border secure. We want our our uh, we want our economy to skyrocket so we can drive the price of, of a gallon of gas down. We want to get rid of all this nonsense that all these regulations that this government is imposing on us right now. And we want to also, we want one standard of justice. We want one standard of justice, not two or three, right? And, uh, and, and those among probably other things, J- James, those are the kinds of things where, where a leader stands there and tells the American people, here's what my standard is. Here's what I am going to achieve. If you can help me get to that level, then you're, then you're with me on this team. If you want to try to achieve it higher down where you're at in your local level, please, you know, be my guest. If I can help down there, I will. I, you know, like I do, like you do. I go all over this country talking to people and spending time with very local leaders to try to encourage them to kind of do the things that I'm talking about. But what we need is we also need the local to connect to the national. 
And we have about 260 days, I think, give or take a few days, 260 days until we roll into the 5th of November of this year, 2024, for a presidential election. One of the things that people can control in their lives is the uh, ability to vote, right? If you can vote, if you're, you know, if you're of age and you're legal and you can go down and register to vote, most people, I think, these days are conscious of, of trying to register and making sure that they're you know, a duly registered voter of a particular area. And and to me, you know, then what you have to do is you got to go and vote. I mean, we have the primaries right now that we're going through, not just presidential primaries, but primaries across the board in, in most of the major states. In fact, about 90 percent of the states. And in those primaries, we still have uh, conservatives. And I won't call it Republicans because I'm not a big fan of the rhino establishment. But we have conservatives and pr- principally a lot of Christians, too, in that in that batch. People need to know that Christians are the largest voting bloc in this country. But we have a lot of people I and mean, we're looking at like 35, maybe 38 percent voter turnout. That means that people who can vote, who are eligible to vote, who are registered to vote, don't show up. And there, and most people will go, well, I'm going to wait till the general election. Well, once you get to the general election, you're looking at the same old, same old, right? You're looking at the same politicians that we've always had because there's people in primaries that are contesting these, these rhinos, these establishment people. And unless they get you out to vote and you choose somebody else, we're going to continue to have this same, the same old thing that we've had. And we're not going to be able to change anything. And, and frankly, and I'll get off my high horse here, James, we are going down. We're, we're really no longer at a crossroads. If I talked to you a year ago, I would have said we're at a crossroads where, where we're going to have this beautiful experiment in democracy called the Constitutional Republic, or we're going to turn towards socialism or worse, communism. I actually think we're further down the path of socialism and communism than people actually uh, understand. I mean, you know, yes, those of us in this country believe in, 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 in our flag. We believe in our Constitution. We believe in the Pledge of Allegiance. We believe in patriotism. You know, we believe in, in all the things that our Bill of Rights tells us, all the freedoms that we have. Most people will tell you, yeah, I believe that. But we don't control any of that right now. We, I mean, at, at, at a different level, there's a level of control that that the left, the socialist left of this country, which has has a death grip on the Democrat Party, um, and they're moving us down that path rapidly. And the one thing that I have done is I have in my in my experiences, in my education and my and my own uh, training, I studied quite a bit of history and particularly the rise and fall of nation states. And when you think about empires like the Athenian Empire or the Roman Empire, you know, the British Empire, and now we have the American Empire. Well, those those previous three that I just talked about, Athens, Rome, and uh, and uh, the British Empire, they're all they all collapsed. They're no longer the, the the superpower. They're no longer you know Rome doesn't. I mean, Rome other than a city doesn't even exist. The empire doesn't exist. Athens other than the than a than a really a, a beautiful historic archaeological city in in Greece, which is which is decayed. That empire doesn't exist yet. Those three empires were the largest at the time, the greatest militaries, most wealthiest at the time that they existed for, in many cases, a long period of time. Well, the United States of America has been around going on almost 250 years. At some point, factually, our empire, quote unquote, our empire 
is going to uh, go the way of the wolf. And uh, and are we at that point? Are we at that point? Are we at the point where the American people have have become so dis dis I guess whatever you know I, I don't know what the right word I was going to say disenfranchised but I don't know I think so turned off by what is happening that they've tuned out right that's the old 1960 phrase turn off and tune out or whatever right I mean people can't do that they have to wake up they have to wake up otherwise we're going to find ourselves in a few years and you know you and I you're younger than I am but you know, when we start thinking about kids and grandkids, I mean, so is that what we're going to leave them? We're going to leave them a country that's going to turn into a communist country because that's kind of what is happening. We you know, we're we're moving in that direction. So anyway, I, I probably let me stop and see if you got any comments. No, no, this is uh, this is great, uh, General. I, you, you brought up so many uh, so many points. And uh I know that one of the things that uh, that you believe in is that our, our founding fathers envisioned a time and these challenges, and they made provisions for these things in the Constitution. I'm a lover of the Constitution. How, how do we instill in others this fighting spirit to not be dismayed, not to be disillusioned, but to take these things that are happening right now and spur them into action? Yeah, I, I think people have to start or, or, or let me say it like this. People have to stop, James. They have to stop feeling sorry for themselves. OK, they have to stop this sense of hopelessness and this sense of weakness. And also many, many that are that are that they see themselves as, you know, that people know them in their community. Maybe they're community leaders, maybe they're church leaders, you know, maybe they. They, they do attend certain things in their in their hometowns or in their in their urban areas or or uh, in their counties. You know, this idea that people are walk around in this state of of uh, fear all the time, fear that somebody is going to say something nasty about them, that somebody's going to call them a name. I mean, you know, I'm a, I, I've been called so many. I've been called every name in the book. MSNBC the other night calling me a white Basically, a white Christian nationalist nut. That's MSNBC, right? One of their one of their contributors, a white Christian nationalist nut. What does that even mean, right? I mean, what is it? I'm white, okay? Christian? Yep, I'm a Catholic, Irish Catholic. You know, grew up in a in a tough Irish family, but we were, you know, we were we were all told we were going to go to church whether we liked it or not. Nationalist? If that means that I love my country, that I'm a patriot for this for this beautiful. Country of ours. All right. I'm good. You know, the the, the nut. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been accused of being a nut sometimes. I can be a nut. I've jumped off of cliffs. I've jumped off of bridges. I've done crazy. I've jumped out of airplanes. Right. I mean, you know, you. So so maybe I fit all those descriptions. But how they how they describe us is not how we actually are. And I think that people need to understand that how we are being described, how we are being labeled as as conservatives, as mega, like we're a cult, right? No, this is not about this is not about some cult like they want to say. And and they're gonna they're gonna throw these labels at us. So people need to stop being fearful of what you believe in and stop apologizing for what you believe in and stay away from, you know, once you've argued with somebody and you know that you're not gonna change their behavior, believe me, eventually they're gonna learn. They're gonna learn the hard way when things do happen, but go, you know, sort of move to people that 
that are like-minded and are willing to put the to sweat, you know, and tears into doing more for your community. I, I can't harp on this enough. Local action has a national impact, but only if you decide to stand up, step up, speak up, get involved in your local community. Let those of us like you, like me, in the forums that we are in, in the whether it's on various podcasts, whether it's to your audience, you know, your great audience, whether it's me, uh, uh, you know, going to various events around this country and telling people that basically the same message. I mean, I'll continue to do that. I know you'll continue to fight in your way, but we need people, we need your audience to really understand that our nation is at risk. Stop fearing, you know, what you, what you cannot control, you know, and take control of what you can and get involved in your communities like you've never been involved before. And God help us. I mean, if we only have 35 to 40% voter turnout in our elections, we deserve to lose this country. And, you know, we deserve to lose it if we only have that many. During the 2020 election, which was the largest, I'm, I'm told it was the largest turnout in our history, at least in the last 100 years, we had 69% turnout. Now, say what you want about the outcome. I, I, I think that the election was, was completely unfair, and there's plenty of evidence to show that. But, you know, but that's a different show, different story for another for another day. But 2020, 69 percent turnout in the nation. That's terrible. You know, you know, I mean, you I don't think you or I were teachers, but I, if I got a 69 on a on a on a paper, that's an F. Right. I mean, I, I didn't want to get that. I don't want to get a big F or a D or whatever. Right. I'm not, I mean, I was one of these guys that, uh, you know, I'm like. I'm competitive, so I always wanted to do my best. And if I got like anything less than what I expected, I'd be upset and I'd work harder to get a better grade the next time. Well, we had 69% turnout in 2020. If we don't have 75, 80, 85, 90% turnout uh, this coming November, and we need to have that kind, those kind of numbers right now in the primaries, then you know, then we're we're hurting ourselves, we're hurting our country, we're hurting, and we're 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 going against all those. Men and women, primarily young men and young women, but primarily young men who sacrificed their lives going all the way back to the founding of this country to fight for these rights that we have. Right. I mean, we always use this phrase, freedom isn't free, and that's fine. But actually, in order to have freedom, you have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice freedom. You know, it isn't free. I got that. But it's not free because it takes sacrifice. It takes discipline. It takes a it takes an attitude of fearlessness against this incursion of communism, which we have coming on very fast into our country. And and uh, and I think that more and more people are seeing it. But I, I I've seen it up close and personal. And it's something that I not only studied, I fought against uh, overseas in many in many cases. I know exactly what kind of ideology and their tactics I mean, I've written books about this. I've written a book about fifth generation warfare. I've written books about artificial intelligence and how to fight that. And, and another book that I'm about to come out with, that's called The Role of the Church. I mean, these are the things, these are the elements where we can control back to what can I do as an individual? What can I do as a listener? And lastly, James, and, and again, I, I think that you're a, you're a great, great example of this. It's truth and honesty and authenticity. I mean, all the times that I've watched you and I've watched you many times, it's like, I, I actually enjoy it. I, I have fun watching you because you have fun and you love 
absolutely love what you're doing. And you're a guy, you're a, you're a professional who's willing to admit if you didn't know something, you're willing to admit if you made a mistake, you're willing to admit that, okay, you know, and here's what the reality is. So you'll come back to it instead of trying to fake everybody out and lie to everybody about, you know, stuff that you know, or you don't know. You know, there's a lot of things that, that, uh, that none of us know about different things. And, and I'm not going to try to sit and fool people. I, I do believe what I say. I definitely do believe what I say. People don't have to agree with me, but I do believe what I say. And I say it with a lot of experience, a lot of experience, you know, uh, blessed, blessed experience that I've had in a life of, of an incredible life, actually mostly good, you know, with a few, with a few uh, valleys that I've had to uh, traverse through. So anyway. Wow, you've uh, given us so many nuggets of wisdom. General Flynn, I can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much uh, for your time and your passion. And more importantly, I can say it, but when someone who fights like Flynn, the actual Flynn himself, gives us marching orders, pun intended, I think it has a way different impact than some retired banker like myself saying it. Thank you very much, General Flynn, for being here with us. Yeah, James, anytime. God bless you. Thanks for having me on. We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.